Hey, welcome back to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast. My name is Todd Mitchell. Each week I bring you tales from the game industry and talk about the business behind the games you love. Tonight we're actually going to talk more about game journalism because that is all the game news is covering this week. I'll tell you why that is, I'll explain what's going on, and I will share with you my experiences as a game journalist. That experience lasted about a year and a half, and I will tell you why I don't really do that stuff anymore. Maybe all of this will make a little more sense to you. Won't have a guest with me this week, but I've got one lined up for next week who I think you're really going to love. And until then, let's go ahead and talk about game journalism. Now, I want to pause right here to tell you about our primary sponsor for the podcast, and that's Amazon.com. Amazon supports the show every time you click on that banner on the right side of the page or at the top of the page and uh, do what you do at Amazon, which is everything if you're anything like me. Uh, Amazon will show us a little support for sending you over there. So that's a free way for you to support the show and uh, do your business as usual. Not too soon to think about Halloween costumes. Um, what's a good one? You know what I've always wanted to do is I wanted to get uh, that that silver Magneto helmet from uh, X-Men First Class and then put a really nice suit on and do the Kevin Bacon uh, Sebastian Shaw costume. I don't know what people would think of that, but it'd sure be a fun Halloween for me. Uh, so anyway... Amazon.com through CodeRightPlay.com. We sure do appreciate it. All right, so what's going on in the game industry that has me thinking about game journalism and has everyone else talking about it? Okay, so there's a few things. The first one is uh, Zoe Quinn's book just dropped on on uh, Amazon and everywhere else. I'm not going to link you to it. I think it's probably not the best <laughs> best resource to learn anything about um anything if you if you know zoe you know that she was sort of the center of the gamergate fiasco that happened started a couple of years ago now um i know all about it because i'm one of the only people stupid enough to uh, start a career in games journalism just right at the height of gamergate so <laughs> um i mean you you could argue that i was certainly not part of the prime primary target of the Gamergate crowd, and that's certainly true, but, um, God, what a terrible time to be, <laughs> to be, uh, trying to win the trust of editors and, uh, uh, fans alike. It, it was just a nightmare. So <laughs> the, the book release has, has got people talking and, and we're sort of rehashing the past a little bit, but, uh, I, I think, I think she's pretty unwell. I know that's probably not going to win me any, any, any friends, uh, probably not any friends that I would want. But uh, I think I think she's pretty unwell. I think the guy that uh, sort of started this and aimed every everyone at her, uh, he's definitely very unwell. I think this was sort of a combination of people who had a lot of issues, and I don't I don't think everybody should have been so quick to jump on either side of this thing. Uh, I consider it all just really unfortunate. Uh, none of it had anything to do with games at all. I, I'm sorry. That's that's just that's the truest thing I think I can say about that without taking a side at all. It was all just about people being hateful. So Zoe Quinn's book has come out. Cuphead is in the news. If you don't know about Cuphead, it's a platformer game. I think it's Xbox ex exclusive. It's drawn in like 40s and 50s animation style. So that's sort of an interesting thing. Uh, it's super difficult. And basically when some journalists put up videos of themselves playing it, people were poking fun at it like, oh, this is a hard game and you suck. Uh, one journalist specifically 
a guy named Ian Miles Chong sort of stirred up a lot of shit <laughs> by, by posting a video of a journalist not playing the game very well and basically just bad-mouthing him on, on Twitter. So everyone obviously jumped on, on him. I think a lot of this is fueled by the fact that he's sort of a conservative game commentator, uh, journalist, and uh, I'm here to tell you... Any, anyone outside the progressive realm really has an uphill battle when they want to do anything on Twitter. And he, I would not suggest he is not intentionally controversial. He certainly is. He's one of these guys who's willing to stir up shit. And, and he just sort of, he seems like he enjoys it. So I have to say everybody's eating that right up and playing right into his hands. And you're paying his bills, I, I gotta tell you. Because that, that definitely catches some editor's attention because they, they know that traffic is all going to be good for them no matter what. So Cuphead struck me funny because Cuphead played a, a weird role in me actually deciding to pretty much exit freelance journalism completely. I will explain why that is. Oh, not to mention, PewDiePie is uh, doofus, and he, he used a racial slur on his, uh, his live stream the other day. Now everyone's going nuts about that because the developers of... Um, what Firewatch said they're going to issue a DMCA takedown notice so they can basically shut him up. So, uh, man, both of those people look really bad to me in that situation because obviously I, I do not use racial slurs. I don't have, I don't have friends or keep friends who do. I think that's, it's just disgusting to me, uh, because there are plenty of reasons to criticize someone and none of them have anything to do with race or, uh, someone's gender or sexual identity or anything like that. Uh, people will give you plenty of good reasons to steer clear of them. None of them are just their traits. So I don't really believe in that. At the same time, I certainly don't believe in a developer. And again, I, I work on games. I uh, am a developer. I run a studio. I publish, you know, the things that I make. And the idea that you would uh, abuse the YouTube DMCA system to basically hold somebody down and, and uh, sort of bury something that, that you don't like is uh, disgusting. I was the first one to say this when Alex Maurer started this crap with um, to, to impact indie developers. I called it bullshit right away. I called her out. I got to do the same thing. When it goes the other direction toward, toward players from developers, that's still bullshit. You can't just go, I don't like, I don't like what you said, so I'm going to... You know, I'm going to act like this is copyright infringement when they have said many times that people are welcome to stream their games, welcome to cover it online. Uh, you can't do it once once the narrative takes a turn you don't like. That's that's not fair game. So I don't believe that's going to end up in court or anything, but I am interested to see, and that's what everyone's talking about. So So let's go back, like, two good years and talk about how I got wrapped up in all of this. So... To tell that story, I have to start at the part where I was a full-time commercial software developer working for uh, just some normal, you know, IT employer in the uh, greater St. Louis area, doing the 40 hours a week thing, overtime on occasion, like it was it was the real deal. And then my son came along, uh, my wife and I had our first child, and we had a conversation about like, you know, wouldn't it be great if one of us could stay home with uh, with our child? And and my wife works in a hospital full time overnight, really no flexibility to do that from home, needless to say. Wasn't interested in putting her career on hold. I wouldn't want her to either. I, on the other hand, you know, I'm a, I'm a software guy. 
there's plenty I could do from home. I could the the idea was to go indie, but I could have just as easily probably found somebody to work for remotely. I could have got into freelance stuff like I'm doing right now to help pay for the house. But uh, we decided that I was going to stay home with our newborn son. And when he didn't need me, I uh, thought maybe he would nap a lot. Turned out not to be true. But I, my, the goal was I was going to work on uh, my own products or uh, work for clients as, as we determined. But uh, I was going to get my indie studio started and really off the ground. What we discovered was caring for a newborn, not the most ideal circumstance for working on uh, software, any kind of development, any sort of creativity, uh, focus of any kind, pretty much impossible. So I did have some things in the works, but day after day, I just noticed they weren't getting done and it started to get frustrating. And I loved being with my son and I loved, you know, helping the family that way. But I realized my dream is maybe not going to uh, take off right now. So as I was sort of hanging back to determine where do I go from here, this tweet caught my eye from um, somebody who was uh, working for Zam.com, which is a, uh, they used to just cover MMOs, but they were being redesigned and relaunching to cover all gaming. So this tweet said something to the effect of, hey, I'm a new editor-in-chief here. We're looking for freelancers. You do not have to have experience. You just have to write well, and I'll, I'll look you over, and, you know, you, you could basically get pitch rights. Needless to say, it was much shorter than that because it was a tweet, but she very successfully got that, that point across. So I see this, and I go, like, wow, maybe this is for me. I had been a contributing blogger slash editor slash podcaster for a website called Nightfall Unlimited. Uh, it's a site that I helped start with my my buddy Ray, who uh, I said was going to be on the show, and, and then we took this other turn, but I'm going to have him on real soon. Nightfall Unlimited was a place where we covered geek culture just top to bottom. I wrote about retail stores like Blockbuster and GameStop, and I, I talked about gaming stuff I loved. My friend Ray talked about horror and we had friends who we podcasted with. That was my first exposure to podcasting, too. So uh, The point is, I had a bunch of content that I wrote for Nightfall Unlimited. So <laughs> I, I, look, I look at this editor-in-chief calling for like writing samples and stuff, and I go, well, I have all these... I, I didn't think of them as great samples, but I thought I do have writing samples I could maybe polish and send over. So that's what I did. I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm a sort of struggling developer who uh, I'm, I'm interested in, in doing some writing because I've, I've written before. And uh, please, if you feel like this stuff is valuable, I would love to uh, talk to you. She goes, okay, I'll look it over. And uh, I didn't hear anything for like a day or so. And right when I thought I was about to hear back from her, um, she got into a car accident. Very strange, <laughs> strange things happened. And uh, I just reached out and said like, oh, hey, I, I saw on Twitter that you got in a wreck. Like, that sucks. I'm sorry. Just please take whatever time you need. Don't worry about me. Obviously, that's more important. And um, she pretty much tweeted back right away. Like, not she didn't tweet. She private messaged. She private messaged me back right away and goes, oh, I was actually just about to read it. And like 20 minutes later, she she sends a message like, oh, yeah, I'll definitely. I'll, I'll take pictures from you. You're in, you know. Uh, and I, like I was so excited. I thought, wow, I, I, I've got a whole new thing started. And it's, it's like now I'm a journalist. This is crazy. That was, of course, incredibly naive. I am not a, a qualified journalist by any means. I didn't go to school for it. I don't have any proper training. My English training uh, ended in high school. 
I, I feel like I write pretty well, better than I speak. Sorry, everybody. But uh, so this this led me to a point where I put together my first list of uh, pitches. I, I looked up online how to pitch stuff to editors and came up with two or three stories I wanted to write. And um, one of them was going to be like a three or four thousand word feature, which would earn a bunch of money, but would also be a chance for me to dig in with like a long article uh, something they might run with when they do their relaunch, something that would let me interview some people. I really wanted to do it up for the first post. And sure enough, that was the thing she went for. She goes, this sounds great. You know, put together a plan. Tell me how soon you can get it done and go off and do it. We'll, we'll, we'll run this. So she greenlit a feature about what I wanted to write about was um, retro game developers and the community of uh, retro game development. And we're talking about people who are making things for the NES and, you know, making new Dreamcast games. And I, I've always been fascinated by stuff like that. So I spent the next week, like, devouring books on freelance writing. And I, I really determined I was going to make a go of it. So now I'm this budding journalist uh, guy, you know. What I found was really great was um, a series of books by Nathan Munier or Munier, I'm not sure exactly how his name is pronounced, but he had these great books on Amazon, and if you had the Kindle Unlimited program, you could read these books for free. And I went through several books that he had put up about, specifically about games journalism, read all I could, found sort of the do's and don'ts, and learned what pitfalls to try to avoid. So I was so excited about this. From there, I I decided I needed to get more to do. I, I wanted to branch out, talk to people at other sites, get some other editors to write for so I could, I could you know, make this profitable, um, spend the time and earn some money. So I went to a site. I, I didn't look it up before this. It was something like gamejournalismjobs.whatever-the-hell. I saw a post from a site called The Nerd Stash, and I had not heard of that before, but I, I looked it up, and they looked pretty legit. Like, I was pretty sure it was based on a WordPress theme of some kind, but like it was a nice one and there was a lot of content coming through there. So I reached out to the guy. I said, Hey, I'm, I'm a freelance writer and I'm working with this other site and I'm, I'm just looking for someone to maybe, I told him, I understand you guys don't have a big budget, but I do understand that you, um, you, you get review codes for games and people review games for you for, for free, but then they keep those games stuff. And that was interesting to me. And I thought if I do it for you, maybe they'll they'll let me do it for Zam. And I, I talked to the guy on Skype. He was super cool. I think he's from Kentucky. He basically runs this site just purely on volunteer work. Uh, and I mean, he's you know he's not making anybody do this stuff. People are interested in it. They want to get their start somewhere. So he brings on staff writers, people who do features. He uh, does special work with people who go to conventions and. He, I was really impressed by the charity work they did. They, they did like child's play and they, they worked with a local hospital on um, doing stuff for kids. So I agreed that I would, um, I would do at least three posts a week for this site. Some of them could be reviews. Some of them would just be news stuff. And I was sort of like a staff writer, uh, albeit unpaid, for, for this, um, you know, growing, expanding site while I did my freelance articles elsewhere. I... I have that problem. I've been convinced to do a whole lot of free work in my life. I, I assure you I'm over that, so don't come at me. So I did that. I was starting to put out pitches far and wide for freelance work. And, um, and, and I really dug in on this feature that I was writing. 
So the feature turned out to be an awesome experience. I met a guy who ran the first Portuguese game store. So that was interesting. He's obviously outside the U.S., so we had uh, time differences to work around and just, just fun stuff. I met the guy who runs the GoldenEye X project, which is a sort of a half-mod, half-development project where these fans of GoldenEye 64 wanted to recreate the game in Rare's Perfect Dark engine, and they've done it at this point. They've, they've got a pretty good build of it. They've got new content, and it runs like a dream. Like, it's extremely cool. So their uh, head of the project agreed to talk to me. He was very gracious with his time and with his, uh, he, I mean, he was very frank about stuff that I was able to sort of break some things about the story that hadn't been said before. Uh, then I, from there, I talked to a guy who learned, a guy who learned assembly programming so he could develop stuff for the Nintendo and the Super NES. And he had successfully created like new NES games all by himself. I'm blown away by that. And then on top of that, I got to interview a guy, uh, a French guy, who de develops games for the Dreamcast. And he's been part of the community forever, back when they were trying to crack the encryption and figure out little hacks to um, to run software on the Dreamcast. So cool talking to these guys from all over the world. So that first feature was just such a cool experience. I got uh, Since then, I've been included in several Wikipedia entries <laughs> based on the Dreamcast. And I mean... It's hard to say dream come true. You, you never really think to go like, I hope Wikipedia says something about me in association with Dreamcast one day. But if someone brought it up, you go like, yeah, that'd be a, that, that'd be the dream. That'd be neat. So I had that experience. I, I made good friends with a couple of people I interviewed. And meanwhile, over at the Nerd Stash, I found that that was going pretty well. I was sort of finding myself mentoring some people because when I said like, yeah, I also do freelance actual journalism and make money from that. These young guys who are guys and girls who are just getting their start. Oh my God, tell me what I can do. And I mean, these were, these were bright kids who were in college and uh, working jobs and stuff. And they, they just needed to be pointed in the right direction, much the way I would have liked to, you know, if um, the internet, internet had been a little further along when I was a kid, that would have been nice. But uh, I found myself sort of becoming an editor also through the site and working very closely with the guy who ran it. So things were just sort of taking off. I got to start working on reviews. Uh, I think the first review I did was for Victor Vran, which is not a super popular game, but it's a very good game. It's sort of, it, it works a lot like Diablo 2, Diablo 3, and the studio is just awesome. Like, they they followed the whole process while I reviewed it. They thought it, you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't super nice. Like, I wasn't unfairly nice to them, and they, they took it all in stride. They loved it, retweeted everything, thanked me. Super positive experience there. About this time, I got published in a book. <laughs> it, it had been a few months now, and I was doing my thing and earning a little bit of money. Somehow I had subscribed to this newsletter from a, a lady named Jen Mattern, and she sent out a, an email that said, hey, my friend so-and-so needs some uh, freelance writers to talk about their experience getting into freelancing, and she's writing a book that's coming out soon, and it's super time-sensitive, and I thought, well, this is my job now, so I can do this, so I... I wrote something about my experience of like transitioning from full-time work to freelancing and lo and behold, like she liked it. She liked the story and the, the advice I gave. And now I have a story in the ultimate freelancers guidebook, which you can still find in stores today. So that's, that's super cool. But that, that probably pales in comparison 
to the first time I had an article go viral. And this was something I always wanted to do, which was go back through uh, Clarissa Explains It All, the 90s Nickelodeon show, for those unaware. And I basically grabbed screenshots and wrote descriptions of every game she created on the show. And that was an absurd activity, which really made some, uh, some people scratch their heads here around the house. But I did this, and I wrote this article, and it blew up. Zam loved it. They tweeted that out, and other sites loved it. It got picked up on Kotaku, so I've, I've been on Kotaku once. And a lot of journalists who I read from, like, Polygon and Kotaku and, like, I think uh, GameSpot, like, several people retweeted this. Oh, my God, this is amazing. Like, this is some of the best writing we've seen this year. But what that led to was at somewhere, somehow... Mitchell Kriegman, the creator of Clarissa Explains It All, found this, went nuts, loved it, reached out to me. He's like, oh man, how do we, you know, this is so amazing. Thank you for doing this. How do we get more people to see this? And I'm like, oh, that's easy. I, I've got these following hashtags, you know, stuff like Gamers Unite and Game Dev and Indie Dev and all this stuff. And for the first time in my life, those tags did nothing. So... <laughs> The dialogue between me and him just kind of died off because he's like, man, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Meanwhile, I was daydreaming like me and him are going to become buddies and we'll write a new show together and pitch it to Nickelodeon. And <laughs> this is going to be it. Of course, things don't really work out quite that that easily. But uh, more more on that later. As uh, as time went on and I tried to really establish a relationship with Sam, I started to send them news stuff and uh, tried to go for more features that would that would earn money. You know, it, it was a job after all. I got passed around to other editors a little bit. I tried to uh, get in with their review editor and their news editor, and neither one of those people really wanted to work with me. the The review editor was a woman who just she ref she basically refused to uh, respond to my emails. It was super weird. Like I've never been in a professional situation where. You know, hey, go ask Jan from accounting, and Jan from accounting's like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> that was basically what she did, and to this day, she has never responded to any of my what is essentially a workplace email. Even though I'm a freelancer, she just refused to speak to me. <laughs> so that was awkward, but that wasn't as bad as they sort of started to know me as the indie guy. So. They accepted a pitch for a list of, this was at the end of uh, 2015, so I wanted to put together a list of indie games to watch the following year. Astute listeners may already be thinking about the fact that Cuphead came out in 2016. But, uh, so I, I work on this list, I pick out the games I'm going to write about, and I get passed to this news editor who uh, sort of wanted to nail me to the wall, for just sort of for existing. This person, um, and, and this person was... Uh, preferred not to identify their gender, so that's that's why I'm uh, referring to them in this somewhat distracting way. Uh, they did not want to... I don't think they wanted to work with me either. <laughs> I turned in a first draft. Uh, hey, looking forward to working with you. Blah, blah, blah. And I, I, was, I was already following like everybody from the site on Twitter. And I noticed this person, not long after I turned in my draft, this person started kind of bitching about quality of uh, freelancer work. <laughs> it was pretty transparent. It was something like, oh my God, I can't believe I have to read stuff where the writer uses the word very like five times. Now, this article was probably 3,000 words, but I, I looked back in my in my draft and sure enough, I had used the word very to describe, you know, 
in in place of perhaps more flowery prose, I said very a few times. And I was pissed. So I tweeted at this person. I said, I'm very sorry. <laughs> so, sort of strained relations from the beginning there. So I get back my first edits. And I had it pointed out to me that I used the word insane to describe a game's difficulty. I was told that was ableist and they were not going to publish that. So I, I, I sat back and thought about it and I thought, okay, on one hand, this is bullshit. I mean, I think we can all agree this is bullshit. At the same time, like, uh, I, I guess, I guess that's fair enough. Like, I, yes, I said that. Yes, maybe conceivably some very sensitive person might read this and go, oh, you know, I have mental illness and this person said this and I wish that they hadn't drawn my attention to it. Okay, I don't, I don't ever want to make anyone feel that way. So the note I wrote back was very sincere. I said, you know, I've, I've never had anyone um, bring this to my attention in that light. And thank you for that. And I, I will change it. And I did. I, uh, I, like I said, I, I'd like to live in a world where we can all sort of not, not be hung up on stuff like that. But at the same time, it's, it's never my intention to make somebody uncomfortable uh, for just for no reason like that. So I changed that. I got further down the, um, the article and there was a, a note about, I said something about, I think I said something would be great for hardcore gamers. And I, I had it explained to me that hardcore gamers are not part of their demographic and they're not going to publish that. So uh, I need to either write for adults who have a balanced media diet was their term or uh, or else. So we, we get down to near the bottom of the list. And I had included Cuphead on this list of indies to watch. Uh, I hadn't played it. I hadn't seen it played. It was too early. Uh, I don't think there were any demos or anything. It, it had only been shown at like E3. But I, I thought based on the animation alone, obviously this is literally just going to be something to watch. Don't pre-order it. Who knows if it's going to be good. But people aren't really doing stuff like this very often. So let's keep an eye on it. I get a note back in this edit that says... And, and I, I mentioned that the reason I'm, I'm interested in this is because of the fascinating animation style. And the editor says, well, it's also been accused of um, using racist tropes. I said, okay. I hadn't heard anything like that. And they dropped me a link to this blog I had never heard of where this writer who I don't think I would ever agree with about anything described the experience of sitting in a trade show of some kind and seeing seeing this game for the first time and being physically ill because like there was a a character I think it was a drawing of the devil and this woman said that the drawing of the devil made her think of uh racist depictions of black people in in old animation style and I had never heard anything to this effect she had included images of early versions of the game. They they apparently caught wind of this and changed it immediately because I'm sure that was not their intention. But she announced that she was going to skip this and, you know, it, it was all sort of projection of something. It, it was very little of it was based on what was actually shown. And there was a whole shit ton about like how it made her feel and like her, her own thoughts made her feel different things. And it was like... I would never, ever want to, I wouldn't want to present this to my friends and, and say like, oh, uh, Cuphead looks good, but maybe it's racist because look at this. So I, I don't think I could uh, uh, sort of sign my name on that. <laughs> so I, what I wrote back was, um, 
you know, I hadn't heard anything about this, and maybe it's just better if we leave this off the list. And what I did not say, but what, what my feeling was, was I would rather leave this list off, or I would rather leave this game off the list than to call it racist, which I don't agree with. Or even to present this this random blogger's perspective as if I'm taking it seriously. I'm not. I don't agree with this at all. So this was where the edits got weird because the note came back. Uh, I I wrote a second draft based on on uh, their edits, and it did not include Cuphead. I, I replaced it with uh, something else. Or it, it might have been that I had 11 games, so I just made it a 10-game list. No Cuphead. I get a note back that says something to the effect of like, oh, I was I was sorry you dropped this off the list. Uh, maybe you could maybe you could put it back on the list. Maybe just call it an honorable mention and go ahead and mention that source I sent you. And like now I feel uncomfortable because like now it's pretty clear you're holding this up and keeping me from getting paid because you would have preferred me to basically list to a, a source that clearly you have some affinity for and, and you would like to see them get a shout out from the site and I was, I was sort of pissed about that in in the final draft that we agreed on it indeed does make an appearance and there is a link in that thing it, it doesn't say anything like i think or here's something i'm concerned about but it does say that like some have uh, voiced concerns and there's a link to that blog i i was talking to somebody about this on twitter recently i said you know i ultimately i did give in on that and i wish i hadn't because looking back that's bullshit like that's bullshit for an editor to go no we would prefer for you to do this well that's that's no longer my voice now that's your shit imposed on my my shit basically um furthermore it's it's someone's it's again that problem i have with somebody's taking their own point of view uh and taking half an hour to write a blog post and smack it onto something that's taken, I'm sure, a year or more to do, this game. So, you know, I take issue with that. And uh, this this goes out, and it's mostly uneventful. People look at it, and it's not the sort of article that you make a big deal out of. So I, I thought it was over, but I, I did notice that this editor was invited to a podcast that's run by a different website. And I thought, <laughs> something struck me weird about it. I, I just Something went off like, I should maybe listen to that. I, I think some part of me, well, for one thing, this person had talked about me on Twitter, and I, I'm not so self-centered that I thought, like, this person was going to go podcast about me now, but I thought maybe I could listen in and sort of try to understand this individual better. Because, you know, there's a good chance we'll have to work together again, and maybe I can sort of figure out how you tick and uh, sort of adjust my game so that we can get along. However, <laughs> I listened to it, and they did talk about me. <laughs> Um, I don't remember exactly how the conversation turned to this issue, but, uh, this person said like, oh, we just had a freelancer who wanted to write about Cuphead and, and when the, the racism issue came up, they didn't feel confident and, and tried to pull it out of the list. And, and I encouraged them to put it back in. And I was, I was very pissed at that point because it was not a confidence issue. I didn't agree with that. I did not agree with the idea that this that this game developer was racist because they're using old animation styles and one one character was a dark a dark color that didn't mean it that didn't register with me like this person's the real message is that this this is racism i didn't agree with any any part of that so to go on 
a podcast and and call a freelancer you work with like unconfident because okay yeah I was new but I can still think I'm still an adult. Uh, furthermore, I later found out they used my uh, Clarissa explains it all piece to raise funds for feminist frequency, which <laughs> I don't. I, I I've uh, discussed this before. If whether you're a feminist or consider yourself, you know. Uh, a friend of feminist causes. In either case, I don't think feminist frequency is any friend of yours. Gamer, non-gamer, feminist, non-feminist. I I don't think that organization does anyone any favors. Certainly nobody spoke to me about that. I can't help if some random group puts a link up to something. But uh, I, man, I, I was, I was pissed by that whole thing. And <laughs> after the new year, I found myself sort of scaling back. And about this same time, the thing with the nerd stash really kind of went nuts because like I said, they were growing and expanding and bringing in new writers and trying to speed things up. And a whole lot of writing was going out that didn't really meet professional quality. And people were asking me, frankly, like, how can we get to the next level? And I, I said, it's, I'm sorry, it's all writing quality. Bad writing is going out. And so the site owner, his, <laughs> his response was, well, you know, help me fix it and become like the primary editor. And since I was involved in it, I, I did want it to improve. So I did briefly agree to be the lead guy who looks at everything. And, you know, I wasn't called the editor in chief cause he liked to be called the editor editor in chief. Uh, I was certainly doing the job though. And as a result, I found myself frequently butting heads with, uh, very young inexperienced people about stuff we weren't getting paid for. And I didn't like that. So th this all sort of came to a head like right before Christmas. So we had this scene where we're, we're talking like a couple of days before Christmas Eve. And we're trying to, my family's trying to go do family stuff with uh, relatives and friends. And, you know, it's supposed to be fun holiday time. And we got this very young child and everything's awesome. And I'm fighting with a 19 year old who doesn't understand how semicolons work. <laughs> I, I couldn't deal with it. I, I told the guy, I'm like, listen, I'm on vacation for Christmas. Do not contact me. We will talk about this after the first of the year. Oh, okay, have fun. Have a great time. And after the first of the year, I told him, I'm out. I'm not doing this anymore. I do feel bad about the way that ended, but it's not a job. It's not a real job. It's a cool thing. Listen, nobody needs to write for free to get exposure. I'm sorry. That's not how it works. I think it's great that he's found people who would like to spend their time that way. No one needs to be doing that. And and I, he's, like I said, he's a nice guy. I feel bad. But I had to leave that behind. I scaled back the freelance writing. What I did start doing is I started Code Write Play, my site where I run the blog and the podcast now. And I found myself reaching out to more indie developers. I realized the most positive thing that came out of that time was uh, getting to know these developers who are working on super unique projects, hearing their stories about how they got into it and what it means to them. Like, that was the one truly sincere, like, awesome thing that I found that I was able to capture and hopefully, without changing it in any way, pushing that off to the readers. And people really appreciated that. Like, I've seen forums where people take this back to their communities. Hey, this guy interviewed me for this thing. And everybody's, oh my God, this is so great. We love this. You deserve this. I loved being a part of something like that. So for my blog, and again, 
this is not a money-making thing, but I just started interacting with people, trying to capture their stories, and every week or two, I'd write a feature about an indie developer that I liked. And I still try to do that once in a while. My, my buddy Max, he just put out a game. I just wrote about that. I just like to do that for people. I wish people would have done that for me when I put my game out. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I just, that's something I, I'll always try to capture. So that was one positive thing that, um, that I did. When I, when I scaled this stuff back, I started to focus on my family again, or more so. I never, I never lost sight of the family, but I spent more time on that. This led up at a time when my son was just starting to get to the point where he could learn like letters and numbers. And uh, I noticed he was responding to the stuff on Clash Royale. So that that helped me uh, put together my prototype for letter taps. And that helped me sort of reconnect with programming and game development, which really did something positive for me personally. I finished letter taps and I knew where to go to release a press release and how to promote the thing and get it in front of the right people, which did give it a little extra boost when it came out. And when this was all said and done, I got an amazing quote from Mitchell Kriegman, the creator of Clarissa Explains It All, which is still to this day on my uh, press kit page for Letter Taps. I will always cherish that. That was such a cool, such a cool day when he agreed to do that. I also talked to Ed Anunziata, the creator of Echo the Dolphin, who never replied and did not do me that favor. So do with that, do with that what you will. I don't know why I thought to ask him as a second, like as, as a backup, but uh, sure enough, he was not having it. So that is my story about a brief trip into uh, game journalism. It was such a weird thing. It might have been a lot different if I, uh, if I had gotten in with a different site. I think it would have been maybe better. Zam is, um, Zam does some good work. They have a big audience. I will say they're almost entirely focused on like special interests. Gaming is their subject. It's not really what they do. It, it seems like everything has sort of a, a slant to promote something they, they favor. Um, you know, a, a lot of it is like feminism causes, stuff like that. There was a, a really strange thing where, Dark Souls was coming out and they wanted to do YouTube videos for it. So like they had they had freelancers who were male capture a bunch of audio for the game uh, or capture a bunch of video playing the game. And two of their female writers and editors talked over the videos. So it looked like they were playing it and talking about it. And as soon as any criticism came through on YouTube, like it does for all of us, uh, it, it, there was this big, like, aha, gotcha moment. Like, oh, you guys thought it was girls playing. Well, it was guys, uh, you know, girl power. I, I thought that was, and these were women I respected. Like I, I thought, I thought they were professionals and I, I liked their writing styles and the way they did business before that. And then I thought like, oh, that was sort of a gross thing. The thing with the other editor, uh, it was, it was all really unpleasant. And as soon as that Clarissa thing went viral, I started reaching out to all these all these other sites like, hey, I, I saw that you retweeted my thing. Thank you so much. Um, I would love to maybe work with you guys if you are taking pitches of any kind. Not one site even responded to me. <laughs> it was really surprising. And I think there was such a call for diversity in the game industry now. And sort of as a, a counterweight to the Gamergate thing, it was really hard to, to branch out. Again, it was hard to gain a new editor's trust. They didn't know if I was waiting to spring something or 
uh, you know, I could have just as easily been somebody who was from like the Gamergate crowd trying to investigate something or catch somebody with something. I was trying to make a living, man. I was trying to support my kid. Um, I was, the thing is I was trying to do what I loved and I felt like people who were there for the love of the games were really getting overlooked and I didn't think it was fair at the same time. Like I'm, I'm not one of these guys like, Oh, diversity's ruining everything. I don't feel that way at all. Uh, I think, and I, I say all the time on the development side, everyone has a game in them that they should make and we should all play it and learn about the world, learn about the people around us. I feel the same way about journalism. I feel like everyone has a voice about these things. If you're interested in games, you have a perspective that is worth hearing. And the more people there are to contribute that, the better. I don't think we should focus on any one group. Obviously, we need, we need as many people from as many walks of life as possible. And that's the only way we're going to get to know each other, right? Okay, so that's that's my funny little cuphead thing. <laughs> it was just funny to see journalism blow up this last week. See, the cuphead was the center of controversy. Again, man, these these YouTubers and stuff. <laughs> what a, what a crazy business to have to cover. I, I can't imagine what it would be like to be writing on any regular basis and somebody go, "Hey, we need you to cover this YouTuber." I I would hate that. So. <laughs> Uh, I will I will cut everybody some slack. Again, form your own opinions about that. That's one man's tale. I did enjoy writing about games, which you can tell because I'm still running a blog and running a podcast, and I still do it on my studio site, and I contribute to Gamma Sutra regularly. So, and I, I will continue to do so. And to tell you the truth, I'm sure I've got a book or two in me too. There will be a time when I have something worth publishing, and I will do that. I just think I'll always have something to say about games, I'll keep bringing you what I got. So uh, next week, we're going to talk to my friend Paul. He's fairly new, and he wasn't sure about coming on the show, but I told him, you'll be great. I think you guys will really like the first project that I found that he did. I'm going to have a lot of uh, questions for him because there's stuff I'm dying to know. More fun next week. As always, we really appreciate when you subscribe, uh, leave a comment, leave a like. We're talking to some new potential sponsors, and we're uh, trying to make sure that our our uh, stats are accurately reflected. If you enjoy the show, I would only ask you to share it with somebody, retweet it, show somebody who uh, who's into this kind of stuff. That means the world to me, and uh, it'll ensure that this show keeps growing, keeps climbing to new heights. It's, it's getting better all the time. So till next week, you guys keep playing. My name's Todd. Thanks so much. Have a good one.